Welcome back, SEO family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how we lack the resolve to change on our own. But with Jesus, we have all we need to be transformed. If you have any questions about Missio, you would like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. All right, well, Happy New Year. It's 2023, if you can believe that. I don't know, it's crazy, right? Like, this is the first time that we get to say it's 2023 and celebrate that together. I hope you had a good Christmas and spent some time with family and friends. And if you were with us here, we had a great time for Christmas Eve. Hopefully you didn't show up. Did anybody show up on Christmas Day? We, nobody was here. So I'm, I'm just hoping we got the word out and nobody was like banging on the door. But we had a good Christmas Eve service. It was our first Christmas as a church and in this building. And so hopefully we have many more to come, but it was special with the candlelight and kiddos singing. It was fun. So anyway, uh, it's the new year and... What do we do in the new year? We talk about New Year's what? Goals. goals. New Year's goals. Resolutions. New Year's resolutions. We've got to work on that, Austin. So anyway, uh, that's what we do, right? That's what we do as people. We, we hear about that. People want to resolve to be better, to do something different. And so uh, people come up with their New Year's resolutions. I have some of my own. You probably have some. They're good. They're not bad. But I did a little Google research on New Year's resolutions, and I, and I don't want to discourage you from anything, uh, but most of them had to do with diet and exercise, which probably has to do with Christmas and New Year's, right? Like, people are worried about what they eat between Christmas and New Year's, and we should probably be more worried about what we eat between New Year's and the next Christmas. But, but that's people want to lose weight. They want to get into shape. That's a good thing. However... Most people give up on their New Year's resolution within the first week. And those that make it beyond the first week, they give up in the first three weeks. And so the statistics aren't really good. Only 9% of New Year's resolutions actually carry through for the whole year. So not trying to be a Debbie Downer, like have your resolutions by all means. But we know, don't we? We kind of know that yeah, we might have this, this list and it's lofty and we want to accomplish all that. And and it's just kind of hard. It's hard to change. And so have your New Year's resolutions. I encourage you to do that. Set some goals and aspire for that. Uh, and I think God even cares about those. I think he, he wants us to, to change and be healthy and all that stuff. But I think more important than that, God wants to transform us. He wants to do something in our hearts this year. You guys believe that? You, you think God actually wants to change you on the inside? Because I, I do. I think that it's important. And he wants us to become more and more like Jesus. See, resolutions come and go. We can do something for a while. Maybe we give up on it. But when God transforms our heart, our character, that's lasting. And, and he wants us to become more like Jesus. He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Is that all of them? Those of you that know that verse. But those are good things. Like, who doesn't want to have those attributes? I do. I want to hang around with people that have those attributes. And, and that's what Jesus is like. And God says, I want you to be transformed more to be like my son Jesus. So I believe that God actually wants us to change more in 2023 than we do. We have our, our resolutions, but God says, no, I want you to be transformed this year. And I'm going to do some deep work in you if you'll cooperate with what I'm trying to do. 
Because that's what God's plan is. His plan is always to conform us into the image of Jesus, to make us more and more like his son. I'm going to dig into that a little bit in a minute here. But before we do, um, I want to read a passage of scripture. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians 3 today. If not, we have it up on the screen as well. And it's Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And what's interesting about this little context, Paul's actually imprisoned when he's writing this. He's not in a good situation. He's not in a happy place. He's, he's on house arrest. But yet he's praying for these Ephesian believers to be encouraged in their faith and to persevere. So we're going to read his prayer. This is his prayer for them, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, who from every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul's prayer for them is that they would be strengthened in their inner being. He's saying, I want you guys to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can persevere in your faith. Why in the world do do we need strength in our inner being? I mean, we know this life is hard, right? If you've lived on earth for any amount of time, and we all have, you know that life is tough. And there's a certain amount of perseverance. There's a certain amount of grit and and kind of stick-to-itiveness we need to have to follow Jesus and to live this life well. And so I don't, again, don't want to, I feel like I'm just dumping bad news on you guys today, but here's the reality. You are either in a hard season right now, or you're coming out of a hard season, or you're about to go into a hard season. That's really the reality of life, isn't it? We, we all are going to deal with some tough stuff in life. And we need that strength that comes from within the Holy Spirit to give us faith to follow Jesus and to persevere even when things get tough. God gives strength, and He wants to give that to us. So, you know, we might know some people in our lives that maybe they're not even believers, they don't know Jesus, but they're just strong people. You know anybody like that who's maybe fought through a bout with cancer and come out the other side and and persevered through that? Or, Or maybe their business went under and they were able to just kind of plow through and and kind of rise from the ashes? We know some of those stories. We know some of those people. But no matter who it is and how strong they are and how determined they are, every person comes to the end of themselves at some point. There's just only so much we can handle as people. And, and we get overwhelmed and we just think, man, I just can't do this anymore. And that's true. We can't. But with the power of God in us, with the power of the Spirit, we can. And that's what Paul's praying for his readers. He's saying, I want you to know the power that the Spirit gives. I want you to be strengthened in your inner being so that you can be faithful and walk through this life well. And that's the same thing for us. Paul could pray that prayer for us today in 2023. I've seen some pretty bad things, and you probably have too, but 
I had some friends in Oklahoma who uh, their marriage went through some really tough stuff. He had an affair and she had every reason to leave him, but they decided to stick it out. And they went through a series of counseling and it took years to rebuild that marriage. But they've got kids and it's, it's, their, their family is healthy and he's now a pastor of a large church down there. I know another family, and some of you might even know this family, but um, there was a tragic accident where they had their baby, their infant, in a car seat, and he backed up his vehicle. It was at night. It was at a big event. Lots going on, and, and I don't even we don't fully know what happened, but he backed over the car seat and killed his own son. And that family could have very easily fallen apart, but they persevered, and God gave them the strength. And if they were here today, they would tell you that the only reason that they're still going is because of the grace God gives and the strength that he gives. So when we know Jesus and we have the hope of the gospel and the power of the Spirit living within us, we can go through some pretty hard stuff in life, can't we? And I know we could go around this room and share stories of God's faithfulness. I know for my family, the, probably one of the hardest things we went through was the flood of 2011 in Minot, where we lost our house. We had five feet of water on the main level. I mean, it was a swimming pool in there, although I didn't want to go swimming in there. Uh, but it was destroyed. Our home was destroyed. And my wife was pregnant and we're living in a FEMA trailer in our front yard, and it's just like, what, God, what is going on with this? And I know I've told this story before, but the city was coming up with all these plans of how they were going to future protect the city, like the, the future flood control plan. And one map would have our house being demolished and bought out by the city, and then the next map had it going around us. And so we kind of had like this 50-50 chance, of like, are we going to get bought out, are we not? Baby's coming, we need a place to live. And so we prayed and we asked God, like, just give us wisdom, tell us what to do. And he did, and, he, and God gave us, both my wife and I, just the impression that we need to build, we need to rebuild and move forward. And we did. People thought we were crazy. <laughs> they drove up and they're like, they're like Noah building the ark. Like, what are you doing? Don't you know what's going to happen? And, and so we, we rebuilt and God walked us through that. We sold our house, we moved out of the valley a couple years later, and the city never bought our house. So God knew the future. And it was amazing to just be in his care. And so God wants to strengthen us in our inner being so that we can persevere through trials in this life. And he wants to give you the same kind of ability to persevere. That's what he gives us. He gives us strength. So Paul's praying for his friends to have an inner strength from God, a faith that is unshakable, the kind of faith that gets us through the hardest challenges in this life. But God reveals his love, right? Right? Love is a powerful thing. We talked a lot about love. If you were with us on Christmas Eve, we talked about love. And love is one of the things that Jesus brought. And we remember that during the Advent season. That Jesus came down on a rescue mission to save humanity because God loved the world. Right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus down. Whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Right? That's a pretty big deal. Like, love overcame some pretty big stuff. The sins of the world, that's yeah, a pretty tall order. So then Paul goes on, he talks about in verse 18 and 19, he wants, he wants them to be rooted in love. What does that mean? This is what it says. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
And so what's Paul talking about that? Why is he saying to be rooted and grounded in love? What's the big deal? The thing is this, love is more important than anything else. And I know that's a strong statement, but it's true. Love is more important than anything else. People in this world who have accomplished, I mean, just crazy good things. They've, they've met all their goals, they're rich and they're famous and they're successful. They still need love. It's a basic human need for all of us to receive love, to be loved, and to give love. Love is the most important thing. And Paul's saying, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, we call that sometimes, says this, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And then in verse 13 And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so Paul reminds his readers how important love is because he said it overcomes a lot of stuff. There's actually a verse in 1 Peter that, that talks about that. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So love overcomes a lot, a lot, right? And, it, and for us, in our interpersonal relationships, that's what Peter's talking about. He says, your love can overcome a multitude of sins. If someone's wronged you, you can forgive them. You can love them. Even if they don't deserve it, we can still love them. Just like God forgives us and loves us, even though we don't deserve it, we get to show that to others. And so love is transformational. And we start to grasp that it changes us. And it changes not only us, but the people around us. When we start to grasp that we are dearly loved by God, it changes the way we respond to situations, doesn't it? So we can't be transformed at the heart level to become more and more like Jesus without understanding God's love. We can't. We can't be transformed into the image of Jesus without understanding love because God is love. We talked about that. And so... When he says being rooted and grounded in love, I think what it means is that we have a constant awareness that I am loved by God. So no matter what happens in this life, no matter how much I mess up and and I fail, I'm still loved. You guys know any roller coaster people? Like, you know what I'm talking about? The people that are way up here and then they're way down here. And you just never know from each time you talk to them, you're like, okay, which version am I going to get of this person? You know, we all have emotional cycles and we're, you know, we're up and down, we're happy, sad, whatever. But being rooted and grounded in love means that we, there's a constant response of, of grace that, man, I love you because God loves me. And even if I'm having a bad day, I still love you. And even if I'm having a great day, I still love you, right? That's being rooted and grounded. There's a constant awareness of how God loves us and so we love other people. Somebody who lashes out one moment and then is super nice the next, they probably aren't real rooted and grounded in his love. I think that's why Paul emphasizes that in the prayer here. He says, I want you to to understand God's love because it changes everything. It literally does. It changes everything. And I'm willing to guess that there are some people here today who struggle with that. You say, yeah, yeah, I know. God loves me. People tell me that all the time. We hear it said, we read it in the Bible, God loves me. But do you believe it? Like, just stop for a minute. Do you believe in your heart that God loves you? He's crazy about you. Because I think sometimes we'll believe that on an intellectual level, but really not on a heart level. We don't really embrace it. Because if we do, it changes everything. 
And sometimes we believe our feelings. We believe things that, that we feel over what God's Word says. God's Word says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that, man, while we were kind of getting our act together, while we were working on being a better version of us, Christ died for us. It says, no, when you're a sinner, when you've got nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table, and you're a complete failure, Christ died for you. God loved you. He demonstrated it for you by sending Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like how much God loves us, and I don't think we fully let that come from our head down into our heart and begin to change and transform us to treat people and love people the way that Jesus does. But God exceeds expectations. With New Year's resolutions, you might make some progress. Anybody ever made a little progress with a resolution? Come on, there's got to be some of the 9% in here, right? Yeah, a few hands. Like maybe, you know, you did a workout plan or, you know, did the whole 30 or something like that. But with transformation, so resolutions kind of come and go. They can have an impact, but when God transforms the heart, that has eternal consequences. Like that impacts eternity. It, it, it changes us and it's lasting. And I do think that God actually wants us to have resolutions. I don't think goals are a bad thing. You realize that if you, uh, say for instance, if I'm super stressed about finances and I'm not trusting God with that, then I might like stress eat. Anybody stress eat? right? And then I'm getting heavy. And like, so if I trust God with finances, then I don't need to stress eat anymore and I might lose some weight. You see how that kind of all ties together? So it's not like compartmentalized where we have our spiritual life and then our everything else. It all flows together and God cares about that. But like I said, more importantly, he wants to change our heart above everything else. Verse 20 and 21 says, now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So if you've ever wondered what is God up to in the world, that's what He's up to. He's up to uh, revealing Himself to the world, glorifying Himself, filling the earth with His glory, and taking us, His image bearers, in having us reflect Jesus more and more clearly. That's the process of discipleship, right? Is growth, becoming more like Jesus little by little. That's what God is up to in your life. And so if you're wondering, what is God doing in the world today? What's he doing in my life in 2023? This is it. God is working to bring his glory throughout all the, the world. And, and the most common Hebrew word for glory is kabod, which means weightiness or worth. The glory of the Lord. It's his essence. And so the number one thing God is up to in your life is forming you into the likeness of Jesus. We know that from Romans 8. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so what that means is that before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. He had a plan for you to become like Jesus, to have a relationship with God through Jesus, and then to grow and to, to reflect His glory more and more, and to, to fill the earth with His glory and to tell more and more people what He's like. That's the whole point of the Christian life. That's what God is up to in your life today. And so, if you're wondering, that's it. It's, it's pretty simple. But the thing is, 
God is not glorified when his kids don't represent him well. And we probably we all have experienced some Christians who don't really live like Christians, right? Not everybody's perfect. But God is glorified most when his kids represent him well. It doesn't honor God if we, if we say we're Christians and we walk around and we're a bunch of jerks, right? Or hypocrites or we're super judgmental. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians out there. It'd be like saying, you know, we have a family business. Maybe some of you do have a family business. Uh, but if we had a family business and we're the owner, we've got some kids, well, you're busy running your business. You can't be everywhere at once. You can't go meet with every client. So you send your kids out. You say, you go represent me to that client or you go take care of this or that. And if you as the business owner find out that your kids are out there going rogue and they're being mean to people, they're not you know, showing the kind of values that you have for your company, you're not going to be very happy about that. And I think that there's a bit of a parallel there with God that he wants his kids, he wants us to represent him well. What is he like? What's his heart like? So if we're jerks and we're not kind and we're rude and we're judgmental, that's not how God is. It doesn't represent him well. That doesn't honor him. That doesn't fill the world with his glory. But you've probably heard people say, I don't have a problem with Jesus, like people that are typically unchurched people. I don't have a problem with Jesus or his teachings. It's just the church. I don't like Christians. Anybody ever heard that? I've heard that a lot. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians out there who are doing a crummy job of representing dad, representing our father. But he has the power to transform us and to make us more and more like Jesus. And so maybe you can think of an area of your life today that doesn't represent Jesus very well. Just kind of pause for a minute and think about that. What's maybe something in your life that doesn't represent what Jesus is like? And whatever that thing is, that's more than likely what the Holy Spirit is working on in you right now, and more than likely the thing that God wants to transform in you this year to make you more into the image of His Son. He can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. We have to cooperate. We, we, get a, we have a free will. We get to say, yes, God, or no, God, I'm going to push back. And, and, and that's really the opportunity for us this year, isn't it? To say, God, I'm going to partner with you. You have the power. You can strengthen me in my inner being to persevere. And I'm going to let you transform me because you more than, you're more than capable of doing it. But God says, I want you to partner with me. I want you to let me. So many Christians just say, no, I'm just going to be the same this year as I was last year. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to grow in my faith. This is the beginning of a new year. We have an opportunity to grow in our relationship with God this year. And that's my heart. That's my desire for this church, for everybody who calls this home, like that we grow and become more and more like Jesus this year. I'm so glad that God has the power to change us. I mean, without it, where would we be? Like, kind of hopeless, right? God has the power to transform us. It's his desire. It's what he's up to in this world. And he can give us the strength to persevere through a lot of stuff. And so we think about our New Year's resolutions. Make your New Year's resolutions. But make one of them to partner with God and to allow his transforming work in you that's deeper than any resolution we can come up with. Let him work what he wants to do in your heart this year to knock off those rough edges, to transform us to look more and more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you that we have hope in you, and that um, 
Lord, no matter what last year looked like, we can look to 2023 in hope because you are a God of hope. You're the God of second chances. You're the God of grace. And so may we rest in that today and may we just take some moments together to reflect and to remember, Jesus, what you did for us on the cross, the price that you paid for us to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we're going to remember your sacrifice and we're going to take some time to reflect on this past year and look at the future year. And Lord, would you just speak to our hearts? Holy Spirit, uh, just stir us, we pray. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So we're doing something a little different today. You probably noticed the tables, you know, obviously you're sitting at them. Um, but we wanted to do communion a little bit different today. And so what we're going to do now is invite you to open up the bottle. Somebody get the little foil thing off there and open up the bread. And there's some cups on your table. And so you can just like rip off a hunk of bread. Take a big chunk. There's a lot of bread. Let's eat the whole loaf, right? We don't have to worry about carbs until after church today. And so pour yourself some juice, take a hunk of bread, and then we're going to give you just some time around your tables to take communion. And what I want you to do is there's some, there's some handouts. You guys have those little sheets of paper, the communion reflection paper. If you guys would just each take one of those and go through those questions and feel free to grab a pen, write down your answers, just take some time to reflect. We're not going to rush through this. We've kind of intentionally shortened the service a little to give room for this. So write down your answers. And then the third point, if you want to share around your table, if you feel comfortable doing that at the end, what God's doing in your heart, maybe what you've learned or are reflecting on, feel free to do that. So we're going to play some music. And then I'm going to come up and we're going to, the band's going to lead one more song and then we'll close, okay? So this is time for you to work through that sheet and spend some time with the Lord. Josh left us with some takeaways from this service. God gives strength. We can't do it on our own. When we try to deal with stresses and challenges of life, we end up turning to things to medicate our situation, or we distract ourselves so we don't have to face reality. God reveals love. Love is more important than anything else. God created humans to need love, to receive it, and to give it. Love is also transformational. It changes us and it changes the people around us. We can't be transformed at the heart level to become more like Jesus without understanding and living in God's love. God exceeds expectation. The number one thing God is up to in your life is forming you into the likeness of Jesus. God desires his kids to represent him well. Discussion questions. As it is the first Sunday of the month, we like to remember what Christ has done by sharing in a time of communion. God wants us to eat and remember, enjoy and worship Him, and, at the same time, have our needs met by Him. Here are some questions of reflection. What is one area of life this past year that you felt short in? 
something you felt disappointed about? If you'd like, take some time and eat the bread. Thank Jesus that he shows grace to us in our failures. His body was broken for you so that you could be accepted by God regardless of your achievements. Rest in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. What is one area of life that you hope to see progress in this new year, specifically a spiritual goal? As you drink the juice, thank Jesus that his blood covers our sins and it gives us a new start. Ask Jesus to give you the strength to move forward and to make changes. Rest in the finished work of Jesus even as you take action. Thank you again, Missio family. God bless, and we will see you next week.